If we want our children to take on our beliefs and values, nothing will be more important than our home environment. The families who we feel got it right and whom we've tried to mirror are those where it's clear the children feel free to be individuals, not in a straitjacket of conformity, where there are boundaries, but not legalism, and where the atmosphere was not intense and heavy. Intensity will always turn children off, and sometimes away from their parents and family altogether. As we said on session one, we've tried to ensure that our own children will associate home and family life with plenty of fun and laughter. So, for example, with reading the Bible, we tried to make it something they enjoyed and wanted to do more of. We've been going through the Bible, a children's Bible, and uh, we've been acting out some of the uh, stories that we've been reading, sometimes using silly voices or, you know, big, deep voices for God. Um, and recently we were doing the story of the parable of the sower, and uh, I, I got the boys practising to throw seed around the room and, uh, you know, whether they were doing it well or throwing it onto the hard ground or to the good soil. And uh, the great thing is that uh, gives an action to the story and helps them remember it. And uh, often they'll come back to me later on in the day or sometimes even later on in that week to, to ask maybe more questions about that. And uh, that's been very rewarding. Yeah, I think humour helps in all aspects of life. So especially in a faith, if you can keep it light and keep it fun and um, not too sort of intense, it definitely makes a big difference. While reading the Bible with our children has been important, we've known that seeking to live out our Christian faith was what mattered most, as faith is always more easily caught than taught. The way God relates to us has been the primary model for the way we've sought to relate to our children. The Bible says about our relationship with God, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. That has meant trying to ensure our children know we're for them, not against them knowing our unconditional love rather than living with a fear of punishment. It's meant them knowing that when they've made mistakes, we'll forgive them, which makes the way open for a fresh start. And parenting is best done with the support of others. We don't have to be perfect parents. It's good enough parenting. And in many ways, if we model good enough parenting, we allow our children to make mistakes as well when they eventually become parents. But also we live in very isolated society where we often are parenting alone. There's a lovely phrase in Africa, it takes a village to raise a child. We need to allow our children to have other people in their lives, whether it's grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends, maybe youth workers, teachers. Uh, I talk about significant others, I talk about mentors, allowing our children to talk to others, bringing others on board with our children. And it's a community that raises a child or a village. So much better, so much broader and less pressure for us as parents. So let's parent as community. We want to look now at the issue of money and the values regarding material things that we want to pass on to our children. We live in a highly materialistic consumer society with all the pressures of advertising and a celebrity culture, a lot of which, particularly on TV, is aimed at children. Our children need our help to learn a healthy attitude to money and how to handle it wisely. One way, among others, is by giving them pocket money, which allows them to make choices and to practice using it. We can talk to them about the different things they can do with their money and suggest they save some, spend some and give some of it away. In this way, we're teaching them important values from an early age, such as generosity, good management of money and honesty.
not too long ago, I went out to get a paper. And it's, I suppose it's not often that, you know, I'd sort of say, okay, you know, gives them a little errand to do for me. Um, so I just, I gave up, I mean, two pounds to get, get me a newspaper. And he went off and I sort of parked um, near the, the shop and, you know, he um, came back a uh, little, it took him a little longer than I thought it should have done. Uh, and he came back with the newspaper and I was sort of then started driving off and, and then just occurred to me that I'd given him two pounds and the paper was 190 or something. And uh, I said, what happened? to the change and he said oh I forgot the change and I thought oh, okay well you know maybe now I thought you know Tempe maybe just leave it and then I thought oh, no well you better go back and get it and then it slowly started coming out that well you know maybe no no um, you know I didn't forget the change um, but then what's you know oh, I, I got some sweets and then it was, oh, you know, but you really should have told me. Money can exercise enormous power over all of us, and our children need our help with handling peer pressure. The ongoing comparisons as to who has what and do we have the latest model. Of course, as parents, we too can feel the pressure to keep up. Sometimes we find it easier to throw money at our children rather than teach them to wait. The advertisers constantly feed us the message that happiness depends on what we have now. One mother said, my daughter went on and on about getting a digital camera. In the end, I got her one. But as soon as I did, I wished I'd got her to save up for it instead, or even gone halves with her. We can teach our children the value of delayed gratification. We don't need to give in to the pressure for them to have designer trainers or the latest up-to-the-minute gadget. They need to learn that other people will have or do things that we can't afford. And that's okay, because the quality of our lives is about a lot more than how much money we have. In everything to do with money, we can model holding our possessions lightly, prizing relationships over material things, and caring for others, perhaps by getting involved with a charity as a family. Our children are watching what we do. I see parents as the kind of gatekeepers between the world and the family. And as a gatekeeper, you keep out all the bad influences. So you might think that the world is too materialist and I'm going to make sure that those influences are how they impact on my family. I'm in control of how it happens. But the other side of the coin is that your role as a parent is to prepare your child for the world that they're moving into. So there are obvious things that we all do. We worry about education. We worry that they're kind of will be good citizens. But we also need to worry that when they go out into the world, they'll kind of become involved in the world. They'll feel responsible for things that they see around them. And all of that they learn inside the home. There were times when our own children seemed to put a higher value on the opposite of everything we stood for and talked of becoming rich celebrity footballers with fast cars. Don't worry, that's normal. It's easy to feel that our children are rejecting our values. But we can have confidence that the values we model will leave a lasting impact on their lives and become embedded in their characters. Character is different to personality. Each of our children is unique, and we want them to flourish as individuals. 
We can encourage, through the values we model, positive character traits such as showing kindness, displaying loyalty, being courageous and being generous with... We have another exercise for you to work on today. It's uh, attached to this content in the study guide. Work through it on your own first and share it with your group, a partner in parenting if they're available.